0: Well, it's now 2024 and we are excited that you are here with us at Portrait Church, listening to our podcast. My name is Jay. I get the privilege of being the pastor here at Portrait Church. And here's what we think. The best thing we can do as we start 2024 is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are in a brand new series called Seek First, where we are exploring what is the kingdom of God? Why should we seek it first? How should we respond to it? And what is the type of people God wants us to become in his kingdom? So we pray that as you start your 2024 year, that you would find value in seeking first God's kingdom and everything else will be added to you. If you would like to know more about our church, you can visit us online at portrait.church or you can find us on social media. We'll be meeting at the Mitten Building here in Redlands on Sundays, and we hope you enjoy this message, and we honestly hope one day we'll see you in person as well. Take care. So this mustard seed mentality means that we must understand that there are small steps, humble beginnings that every single one of us must take in order for the kingdom to expand. And the small step, and, and, and it may seem insignificant to you this morning, but I want all of us to take this morning is to be mindful how we are listening. To be mindful about how you hear. What do I mean by that? I recently came across this news article, and it was talking about a dispatcher. And this dispatcher was helping move uh, like these huge uh, trucks of one of the most prominent companies in the world And the dispatcher was on the line, and and they were getting their orders on where they needed to send these trucks. Huge fleet of trucks. And so the dispatcher hears the orders and is listening and heard Portland. And they automatically are like, all right, cool, we're going to Portland, Oregon. Send them all to Portland, Oregon. But they didn't hear close enough because the actual orders were to send it to Portland, Maine. So you have a huge fleet of trucks that are going to Portland, Oregon. And I don't know if you've heard about Oregon recently, but they just had a crazy, crazy snowstorm. So now they're, in the rock, they're on the other side of the United States, and it cost them over $100,000 because of this air of listening. Here's the thing. There is a high cost to poor listening. There is a high cost to how you are actually hearing God, paying attention to what you consume. There is a high cost. It may not cost you 100K, but it could cost you your soul. It may not cost you 100K, but it could cost you your family line because the one thing that God has been trying to get you to listen to, you're not listening to that. So he can't transform all of the issues that you are dealing with or that you have. So you transmit it instead of transforming it, because you're not hearing and listening to the voice of God. Here's the thing, all of us, all of us in this room have to become better listeners. None of us has arrived at it. If you are in a relationship, you definitely know you gotta be a better listener. If you are in a marriage, double down on that, you definitely gotta know. Um, And Because if you already know, I like to talk, so you already know one of my weaknesses. I don't even wanna look at my wife because I know she's laughing. But here's the reality. There's something about listening that it, when you listen, it, it, it's able to move to your heart. And when it moves to your heart, it transforms the way you see and the way you be. And so, this very parable that Jesus is talking about, this parable is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's talking about people whose hearts and ears are open to receiving this kingdom. And in Luke, At the end of, he's talking about the same parable of Luke, but in Luke 8, verse 18, he says, pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. And then even before the text that Raphael read in um, in verse uh, 13, or Matthew 13, verse 11, He says, uh, after the verse, after the text that Raphael said, he says, the knowledge of the seekers of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. He's talking to his disciples. For whoever has will be given more, and they will be given in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah you will never you will you will be ever hearing but never understanding you will be ever seeing but never perceiving for people's hearts have become calloused they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and i would heal them There's something about how you are hearing God that is, that that will transform your heart and even provide healing. But he says, people's hearts are so calloused. Your ears are clogged. You're not able to, to see the things that God wants you to see in his kingdom. And so your ability to hear God is tied to the posture of your heart. How your heart responds to hearing God's word is key. It's essential. This is what he's getting at when he's talking about the the parable of the the sower. He's talking about several different soils and several different um, ways in which people are are aligned in receiving God's word. The first way he talks about is this path. He talks about the path, and in verse 3 and 4, he tells them that a farmer went out to sow seed, and he was scattering the seed, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And one of the things about this particular parable, because Jesus tells a lot of them, and most people think, oh, Jesus is a really good storyteller, so he tells these parables just so people can understand and they can have like that little image and nugget, oh, mustard seed, oh, seeds, birds. But no, that's true. But what a lot of people don't understand is Jesus tells parables to convict (laughs) He tells parables to convict, but here's the thing. I know words like repentance and conviction are often used sometimes in churches that have hurt you and have done it in a manipulative way. But here's what I need you to understand. Jesus uses tests. Like when I was in college, I would have a teacher that no one liked at a university that I will not mention. Cause I know some of you go there and The teacher would love to give pop quizzes and tests, just honestly, just because I think the seed of Satan was inside of him. He was just like, he just wanted to give a test so that he knew that you didn't know as much as he knew. And I would be like, brother, we just had a pop quiz yesterday. What else do we got to pop around here? But the thing about Jesus and how he convicts and the test that he gives, he does it for our best interests in mind. He is a test giver, who is, who is so concerned with producing more goodness out of you that you can trust him when he brings these things of conviction. It is God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It is not God's condemnation because actually it says in Romans, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I think one of the things that we have to understand is we need to understand who we're listening to because your view of God, who you think God is changes the way if you wanna listen to him or not. Think about the relationships with the, your parental figures. Like, think about it. If, if you have a, a, a parent or someone who is who has been uh, in charge or, or kind of overseeing elements of your life and leading you, and if they're not listening, oh, it doesn't make you want to connect with them. If they're not paying attention to you and falling on deaf ears, that's not motivating you to want to tell them things. That's not the God that we serve. And so we got to understand, he here is actually doing, a, a, a one thing that he doesn't do often with the parables is he's explaining this parable. And he says, the one, he says in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that was, what was sown in their heart. This is a seed along the path. Now, I, could, like, I wanted to spend a whole message on this whole idea that there is an evil one who sows uh, and who is, who is taking the seeds that have been deposited into people by the kingdom of God. I want to get into a whole message, but Tamara and Dale said, Jay, you got to condense some things and you you got to just, you got to stop talking as much. So I'm going to listen to Tamara this morning and I <laughs> I have people that evaluate my sermons every week because we want the gospel to go forward. I want to get feedback. I want to get better. And so Tamara, I'm getting better today and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you you a high-level view of this because I do believe that we need to talk about this at some point, but there is an evil one that exists in the world, and his name is Satan. His agenda is contrary to the kingdom of God. His agenda is to make sure that any seed that's being deposited by someone who is sharing God's word is that you don't receive it. His agenda is to make your hearts calloused and not open to community or to the things that God has. We are up against an evil one and many hearts, even in this room, if you're being honest, potentially are hardened a little bit because of this evil one. Later on in Matthew, the disciples, they would come to Jesus because at one point in time, they're like, Jesus, even the demons, like they're, they're listening to us. You know, those demons that you were casting out, we were doing the very same thing. But then they come to him this one time and say, Jesus, there's this boy. And there's some about this boy and there's some about this demon inside of him. We cannot cast that one out. And then Jesus looks and he's like, man, you have little faith. He says, the type of demon that's inside of this boy, oh, this type of demon is only going to come out through prayer and fasting. And the issue is, Jesus, and, and here's the thing I love, Jesus didn't then go. And start praying and fasting and cast the demon out the boy. He did it right on the spot. He was like, man, demon, get out this boy. And all of a sudden it left. And they're just looking like. But the two things that the the disciples came to Jesus about. Teach us how to pray. How do we get this demon out? Prayer and fasting. Here's the thing. There are people in our communities, in your family. Maybe you're married to one. Maybe it's even your kid but they have such hardened hearts and the only way, the only power that you and I in this church are ever gonna see God move in such a way is through prayer and fasting. There is some type of evils in this world. It's not gonna be better church strategies. It's not gonna be better community efforts. It's gonna come from us getting in the secret place with God, praying, getting getting away from food, And saying, oh, man, even though I want that Eureka Burger, God, that double smash, we are going to stay in the secret place. Because the only way that some of this ground is going to be broken up, is going to come from prayer and fasting. Many of you understand, we live in the world of the immediate. And a lot of people in this room even have friendships or even you have kids that you know you know that there's a potential direction that they can go. And God's like, hey, listen, it's not going to be gentle parenting. It's not going to be these one, two, three steps on this parenting book. It's going to be you getting in the quiet place, praying for your kids, fasting for your kids every week because there's going to be a power. And we're not doing it to earn something from God, but we're doing it to unleash something. There's another realm that comes, and I don't have time. Again, Tamara's going to be mad. There's another realm that comes in to praying and fasting that there is going to be soil and ground that we need to break up, and it's only going to be by that. And so then he says that there's a rocky, rocky ground. Some seed fell on these rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Then he goes on to explain that the seed on this ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so some of you are in here, maybe you're not along the path, but you have some rocky soil. You you maybe even come on a Sunday and you receive the word with joy, but you don't have no root. When you realize and you pull up from the root, you realize, oh, this thing came up so quick. It's shallow. It's not deep. You, you have immediate reaction to the gospel as joy, but your long-term reaction to the gospel is, is doubt. The moment something difficult happens, you're done with God instead of being determined to bring those things to him. And so the thing I want you to understand is, what, like, those of you with rocky ground, what is troubling you this morning? What are you doubting? What is going on inside of your soul that, that you can't bring to God, that, that, that's not allowing you to get deep roots? And, and here's the other thing about that. I, I, don't, I say that with a, a, an understanding that some of you in, in the Christian spaces that you are part of have been shallowly formed. Shallowly formed. You've been told promises about God's kingdom You've been told promises that, oh, when you put your faith in Jesus, man, your bank account going to be blessed. Like all these blessings going to rain down on you. Who, was it a song that someone sang? Was it Kanye? I don't know. A chance? I don't know. Somebody sang a song. I'll, I'll figure out that later. But I echo what Dallas Willard says when he says, I fear that many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and righteousness. For those who busy themselves to know the will of God, however, it is still true that those who want to save their life will lose it. We need to be honest at times that we actually want more comfort than we do the comforter. I was reminded of a story of this woman. Her name was Helen Rosevere. Helen was a single lady powerhouse for the kingdom of God. She was a missionary to the Congo. And the reason I was so intrigued with that is because one uh, Christmas, uh, my wife, I did the 23andMe thing, highly suggest it, unless you don't want to find out if you have siblings somewhere <laughs> that you never heard of. Be careful treading into that one. But I found out that I was Congan, and I was like, cool, I'm about to check out these roots. I, hear, I, f- I come across a story of this woman named Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary, Christian missionary, bringing the gospel to Congo, single woman, incredible woman. And, I, and I, found this, I found this YouTube article of her, it was her last interview she did before she died. And she just talks about the time in which someone shared the gospel with her. When she heard that for God so loved the world, for God so loved her that he would give his only son so that she may like, if she confessed and believed in him, she'll have eternal life. There's something about that moment that night when she received Jesus that she had this overwhelming sense of joy. But then her leader that night gave her a Bible. And in that Bible was highlighted one verse. And that verse was Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. She says in this interview, I found it so fascinating that 30 minutes after I became a believer and put my faith in Jesus, the next verse that I hear, the next verse that I'm told about is that I am going to have a pri- It's going to be a privilege to suffer with him, yes. a privilege, A privilege. That's not often in the messaging of church. The, hey, Jesus is phenomenal. Seeking his kingdom first is going to transform your life. But guess what? You're also going to be privileged to share in the sufferings. Would you sign up? But there was something about that moment that transformed the way that she followed Jesus. Because in 1964, she would be kidnapped. She would be beaten, thrown in prison, and raped multiple times. And yet at the end of her life, she says, what a privilege it was to follow Jesus. What a privilege it was to seek first his kingdom she was more in love with Jesus and you can tell, and I, and, and I felt more in love with Jesus listening to her story because I could tell that she had been tested. Can I caution you not to fall in love and, and try to, to be enamored with people who have not been tested? Not been tested. It's one of the dangers of Christian influencers and influencers, because and, what you see is a personified version of something. But do you see the testing? Jesus lived 30 years in obscurity. Then right when he got baptized, the first thing he said, I got to do is go get tested. Let me go into this wilderness. So be careful not to follow people who who look good, but they haven't been tested. And then there's a part here, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. That's the part when we're gonna experience trouble, we're gonna experience hardship, we're gonna experience sorrow. Jesus, I love that he talks about it. He says, don't let your heart be troubles, troubled. I've overcome the world. But then there's a part where it talks about persecution. And let me be clear here, and we've said this before. We need to be careful as Christians not to blame everything on being persecuted when the reality is you are just not a kind person. And the trouble that you're getting in is not actually from people persecuting you, it's from you being a jerk. So we need to be mindful that, yes, there are going to be times because of your faith, because of you showing up in the workplace, and because you want to pray. My boy Isaiah, I remember, uh, if you ever see Isaiah, crazy guy signs. He's not too crazy because we trust him with our kids. Um, But I often hear stories of him being a nurse in the workplace, and and he doesn't care. He prays for his coworkers before he starts a shift. And there was a time where they said, Isaiah, you got to stop doing this. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm not. If you want me here, I'm gonna pray because I believe in this Jesus and I believe that he's gonna provide a protection in this space and they love Isaiah's work ethic so much and how he cares for people that they didn't fire him. He is still praying when he shows up for work, but he understands that there is some level of persecution. It may not look like that, but around the world, I'm telling you, persecution is happening. We are in one of the safest spots in America. So let's let's not act like this is complete, utter persecution. I'm not saying you won't, but I'm saying we need to be aware of the difference. And then some of you are thorny grounds and these get choked up, Jesus says in verse seven. And he says, the seed falling on the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it, making it unfruitful. Basically, you love Jesus, but you love other things so much too. It talks about the worries of the world. In Matthew 6, 19, if you were to go through that, it talks about like, why are you so worried about food, clothing, all these worries. You show up for church, you get a good word, and then all of a sudden you leave, and then you see, you get that bill. You see that post. You see that tweet. You, your kid gets sick, or this thing happens, and all of a sudden the worries are just overwhelming you. They're overwhelming you. And what happens to us, and I see it in my life all the time, when I, am, when I am so concerned with the worries of the world, it affects the way I treat other people. Because I'm so concerned with my worries, it doesn't allow me to first seek the kingdom, and it doesn't allow me to see the needs of other people because so, I become so self-centered in my worries. It changes the way I treat people. I don't have as much patience. I don't have eyes to see their needs because I'm so concerned with mine the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. All I will say is Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love one or hate the other. You'll be devoted to one or be despised by the other. He says, you can't serve God and money. And the problem is one of the last places for a Christian to be discipled in is their wallet. And I'm not even just trying to say that to manipulate you to give to the church. You just need to be a generous person, Period. It's not even just to give to us. There's people around you that are in need, and God is calling you to be generous. I love how Proverbs 38-9 says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. You know when Jesus said that? When he taught the disciples how to pray, give us today our daily bread. He didn't say give us riches. He said daily bread. And it says, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, "Who who is the Lord? that's what happens. People get too much money and they're like, yo, where did God go? Because you're just so concerned with making money and finding comfort in those things, you end up saying, who is the Lord? And so I don't want us to, to be rich and forget about God, but I, don't, <laughs> I also don't want us to be obsessed with our poverty and be discontent and looking at other people. I struggle with this. I'm like, I got four mouths to feed. I'm like, you know, how how they got a Disneyland pass? Don't he got one job too? All four of the kids got a pass too? And they eating churros? It's like, that's like $45. But God wants us to keep from a poverty mentality too because it's seeking first his kingdom and you trust that it's all going to be added. And so many of the things that are choking your focus, they're not necessarily bad things, but they're good things that you've made God things. Some things can serve you, but they make horrible masters. And so we got to understand in this moment, what are the things that are choking our focus? And then lastly, he says, there's good soil. He says, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what it was sown. And he says, whoever has ears, let him hear. And then he explains the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop gilding 160, 30 times what was sown. These are the people who know that the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. So even though trouble comes, they know that they can still trust him. Even though things don't happen their way, they know that they can still trust him. Even though you're sitting in discomfort and pain, you firmly believe that he is still trustworthy. You do what you hear. James 1 talks about this. Don't be like the one who hears and they look at themselves in the mirror. The second they leave, they forget. Don't just show up to church, experience God's word and worship, and then you go home and you're just like, and it's going to happen today. You're going to go home and you're going to be choked up by the football game. I get it. I'm glad the 49ers won because half our church is 49ers fans and we just going to have a missing. See? See? But just be honest. Some of you, I, like be honest. Like there was a time in my life where the Lakers lose and my wife will tell you I was not in a good mood choked up, but many of y'all know how to prepare for a game, but you don't know how to prepare for church. It's just, it's just the way we are being formed. I'm just trying to hold up the pictures of the world's offering you and hold up Jesus and say, yo, this is so much better. Prepare your heart, prepare your ears, prepare your soil. These heart issues really matter. And the only way that our hearts are gonna be transformed is by concentrating and fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on the gospel. It's not a good worship set. It's not a good sermon. It is continuously saying, I am going to remain in the love of Jesus. I am going to look at the gospel, look at what he's done on the cross. I'm not gonna shrink it, but I am going to enlarge it because I'm looking at my sin, I'm looking at my rebellion and I'm saying, oh my gosh, God, I am sorry. I keep being in this default mode of seeking my own kingdom. I see you, I love you, I wanna chase after that. So some of you, you won't hear a thing I say today. It's okay, I'm not not gonna be offended. My job is not to convince you. My job is to be faithful, to share this with you because I care so much how you're being formed. I care so much how you see Jesus. Others of you, you're gonna hear God's word. It'll spring up. But the moment you step out the door, something difficult is gonna happen. Then all of a sudden it's out the door. Others, you're gonna hear it. You're gonna, maybe you'll even receive it with joy, but then you're gonna go back to the thing that you love more, and then that is gonna, you're gonna put your hopes in that, you're gonna put your faith in that, you're gonna put your trust in that, and then it's gonna fail you. And then some of you, you're gonna gonna hear it. You know, one scholar puts it, he says, in in the first three, you almost get the sense that it's something that they heard. But in the last one, it's something that they're hearing. It's a, it's a constantly putting yourself in the presence to hear his voice, to hear his instruction, to hear his rules. And so many of you, by God's grace and his grace alone, you are gonna hear it today and you're gonna do it. And if I, and, and can I be honest about myself? A lot of times I find myself in all of these places. <laughs> I got rocks I need to get out. I got thorns I gotta, I gotta cut away. But at the end of the day, God's goodness and his grace leads us to want to create a soil that could sprout up the kingdom of God. So some of you this morning, you got to discern your dirt. You got to discern your soil. Because the deeper your life with God, the deeper your roots. I was at the Micah house two summers ago with a group of high school students. We were picking up weeds. We were cleaning up the area and we all got to this one tree, small little thing, but man, we were, we, uh, your boy was sawing. I was like, man, I'm looking like a fool in front of these high schoolers. I can't break these roots. And the reason we found out we couldn't break the roots because this root of this tree was attached to this other tree over here. It just wasn't in our sight. And then it reminded me of this picture of the redwood trees. These trees that stand so tall and you would think that their roots are so deep. But they are deep, but they're deep wide. And they're deep wide and connected to other trees. And I give you that picture because one of the ways that you can change your dirt, you can get deeper roots, is when you get in community with other believers who are also seeking the kingdom and you grow up so tall and so high to be this beacon of hope and light in the world who needs to see the kingdom, and your roots are so wide and they're connected to each other. And we're not gonna let guys like Aaron fall when his mom passes away. We're not gonna let single moms in the community feel like they're without hope. We're not gonna let these things happen to people because we've been a part of a community. Being being a, a Christian who is pursuing God alone is an oxymoron. It don't work. And so one of the ways that you need to discern your dirt, discern your soil right now, is you need to ask yourself, am I in proximity with other people who are pursuing the kingdom? And so the worship band is gonna come up and we're gonna sing this song that's called Make Room and what we are gonna do in this moment. I don't, I don't want us to get into the programmatic elements of church where you just stand up because the worship team is here and we gotta sing. This needs to be a time where you sit with God, where you discern, God, what kind of soil do I have right now? Not out of shame, not out of this, this fear that God is gonna be upset with you. He's so happy that you're just gonna bring it to him. And so in this moment, as we enter this song, I want you to sit with the Lord right now. I want you to pray and ask him, reveal my soil. And then as you feel led, yes, you can step in and worship. But I don't want you to stand and get back into the, oh, this is, a, this is the order of service. We got to stand up, sit down. No, be with God right now. Because that's the thing that's going to transform you.